From the Heritage Foundation, this is Heritage Explains. On Thanksgiving 1944, the world was at war. Many American soldiers were fighting against the Japanese Army and Navy in the Pacific or facing a hard winter of fighting the Nazi war machine in France and across Europe. But at home, while Americans tightened their belts, worked in factories, and took on volunteer duties to support the war effort, the tradition of Thanksgiving carried on. The war created shortages of sugar, butter, fruit, even turkeys, but people still found a way to celebrate the holiday in whatever way they could. Karen Lee from the blog of newspapers.com located the following section of an op-ed that ran in the evening edition of the Wilkes-Barre Times Leader of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania on Thanksgiving Day, 1944. It is true, to be sure, we do not have everything we desire. It is true many homes have been saddened and other households made anxious by the absence of loved ones. But if we look at this in its proper perspective, we shall agree that no matter how unfortunate our lot may appear to us as individuals, it could be ever so much worse. Above all, let us be grateful, not only for the success of our cause, but for the courage and sacrifices of our brave sons, brothers, and husbands that made the victories possible. And then we must always be grateful for tomorrow when life will resume its normal course and time mercifully will heal the wounds of mankind. As we know, life did resume a normal course, and time has indeed healed many of the wounds of that harrowing period in history. And yet, in the midst of the social strife of our own day, it's easy to lose sight of the fundamental goodness that lies at the heart of Thanksgiving and of the American spirit. To help us stay in touch with that goodness, I sat down with the president of the Heritage Foundation, Dr. Kevin Roberts. Dr. Kevin Roberts, welcome back. Mark, thanks for having me. So we brought you on to Heritage Explains this week to talk to us a little bit about Thanksgiving. And I'm sure what most of our listeners know about you is that in a prior life, as well as in your current life, you are not only the head of the Heritage Foundation, but also a historian. And that's important for us because anymore, it feels like in America, we've started to lose the thread somewhat of our identity. And as we come up on Thanksgiving, maybe you could start us off with giving us putting on your history professor hat for just a second and giving us the rundown of what is Thanksgiving? Why is it important? Why is it important? Why do we celebrate? Well, the very succinct history lecture on this, Mark, is that you have to know three episodes. One, very famously, I think, I think we're still teaching this in most American schools with the pilgrims in 1621. I might argue that there was something like a Thanksgiving celebration even earlier in Jamestown, Virginia. But the point is, the earliest part of America, there's a Thanksgiving celebration amid a lot of challenges, which is to say death, because it was very difficult to carve out a colony, whether in Massachusetts or Virginia at that time. 
Secondly, people know about President Washington's first Thanksgiving proclamation in 1789. But the best known, and I would argue the most important sort of official recognition of Thanksgiving as a quasi-religious, quasi-secular holiday, the, the quintessential American holiday, was by President Lincoln. At the very time following the bloodiest year of the Civil War, 1863, that you would think there would be the least to be grateful about. But Lincoln, who had a bit of a tense relationship with his own faith, understood, thinking about Washington's words, that Thanksgiving was a time for all Americans, regardless of who they were, where they were from, what they were experiencing, to pause, to pause from the distractions of the world and to wake up being grateful for friends and family, maybe material possessions, but most of all, grateful for waking up in the United States of America. And so I think in the 2020s, that's what we need to be now. And, and I would argue that while we're certainly not in a hot or official civil war, that if you look at some of the scenes of protests regarding the, the, the attack on Israel, that it kind of feels that way, that it's a, probably a cultural civil war. And I don't mean that to be pessimistic. I mean that to say, let's still have hope. And perhaps that hope begins with us in our Thanksgiving customs to celebrate the day well. Turn the TV off. The, the Thanksgiving Day Parade is not important. I mean, nothing against Macy's, but who cares? Turn the TV back on if there's a good football game on. But in the meantime, be sure that we're spending time in person with the special people in our lives. It might be friends. It might be family. It might be people we're meeting for the first time. That seems a little trite, but I think, interestingly, the words of, of Lincoln and Washington today if, if they were to issue those proclamations today, are timeless because it reminds us that there are more important things than what we're doing every other day, especially in the United States. So we live in a time in America's history where racial tension has kind of come to the front of public thought once again. Looking back on the events that have formed Thanksgiving through the years, what does the celebration of Thanksgiving have to say to us about kind of America's racial and civil strife? Plainly, in spite of all of the warts in our history, that there's something more important that we all share, and it is that we woke up as Americans. And there has never been another experiment in civil society in the history of mankind that is as pluralistic, diverse, that also says we are going to share certain ideals because they are they're timeless. They're the permanent things. They, they are self-governance and human flourishing, what we commonly call rights. But that what critical race theory, for example, what the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, offer is, is a disease, a cancer, like stage four or five cancer on that noble ideal. And they ought to be rooted out. To say that is not to reject the reality from this early American historian of African-American culture that there have been challenging chapters in this country's history. But keep in mind that even in the depths of slavery in the 1840s and 50s, we have records, I've seen them, studied them myself, of slaves themselves celebrating Thanksgiving. Would there be another group of people on the planet less likely to be grateful for anything than enslaved persons in the United States? No, but because of their faith, because of their hopefulness that in spite of their condition, which seemed to be permanent, and it was for most of them at that time, that tomorrow might be brighter, that 10 years down the road might be brighter, that comes from their soul. 
And so ultimately, to, to sum up here, Mark, I would say, as we're thinking about Thanksgiving, it isn't just to use the kind of common phrase to celebrate our similarities rather than our differences, but to be really, frankly, ruthlessly objective about those people and organizations who want to emphasize our immutable characteristics. We all have attributes we can't change, our race, many other things. And the whole promise of America is that there's something that transcends all of those things. And it isn't just that we're Americans, it's that what it means to be an American is to share in an experiment that places our natural, God-given self-governance above all of those differences. And so, if you're someone who, you know, is a skeptic of what I just said, and, you know, maybe you think there are aspects of critical race theory, for example, that are good, what you're saying is that you're rejecting self-governance. You're not just rejecting the ideal of America, you're rejecting what the ideal of America is, which is human flourishing and self-governance. I defy anyone in this country to challenge that notion. But rather than even try to do that, chill out and enjoy Thanksgiving because it's a good holiday. Yeah, well that dovetails perfectly with my next question, which is- Well, that's good. It's all well and good to understand our unity within our polity, within the greater civic culture, right? But when you sit down at your family's house and everybody in the room knows you're the conservative, right? And maybe some people in the room have very strong opinions in other directions. Um, this is a cultural trope that seems to be more and more on people's minds year over year as we approach Thanksgiving is, oh my gosh, these conversations I'm going to have with my relatives. What advice do you have for people going into Thanksgiving celebrations with people who may not agree with them? Well, look, before I go into a, a series of, of uh, bits of advice, you know, maybe some of them worth listening to, I'll say that it is a, it's tragedy. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a civic tragedy that our politics are so toxic that this is real. I mean, this, mm -hmm. this is a real concern. And, and my wife and I have been there. Um, but so, point one is that I, I remember many years ago <clears throat> go, preparing for my own family's Thanksgiving dinner once I was married and we had our first two children. I had a couple of relatives, um, a dear uncle and uh, my dear older sister, who were big liberals, great people. They're now conservatives. It's, it's mistaken political thought is not a permanent condition, which leads me to point number two. Did, did I somehow have a role in bringing them from the dark side to the side of light? Maybe, but it wasn't when I was arguing with them. It was when I was listening to them. It was when I was placing something far more important than our political differences first, which was our relationship, friendship in some cases for others. And so what I'm saying, Mark, is comportment is really important, which means for those of us who are a little on the feisty side, including when we're not supposed to be talking about politics and religion, Thanksgiving Day is the day to be on our best behavior. Don't be a limp noodle, but it's the time to actually act and look like a conservative, which is to say people are going to want to jab at us. They're going to want to needle us and prepare some, some witty retorts that are not so biting, you know, maybe a little sarcastic. But then the next point would be ask questions. And so if you can't extract yourself from this exchange, start asking questions that eventually get to the heart of someone's claim. And for us as conservatives, we want to do that because we're logical people, generally. But ultimately, it also shows, and be sure we're being genuine about this, 
a genuine desire to understand where the other person is coming from. And then finally, if none of those bits of advice sounds like they're going to work very long, go in with a bit of a mercenary attitude, which is to say, this is going to be, say, a six or seven or eight hour long gathering. Say you're going to be there for two or three hours. Not to leave in a huff. That would violate advice number two, which is our comportment. But to be prepared to excuse yourself politely so that you end on a high note. And then maybe next year or the next family gathering at Christmas or Easter or whenever, New Year's, uh, you're able to build on that. That's successful. Ultimately, what I'm saying is that you're not going to win them over in a day. You're not going to win them over over Thanksgiving dinner, especially when in our toxic culture, people are positioning and posturing and all those things, even at a family dinner. But uh, we have to win people over, not just by our words, but also by our actions. Last question. The theme of the day on Thanksgiving, of course, is gratitude. And we're big here on gratitude at the Heritage Foundation. We think it's an essential component of being conservative. Many people, I think, would sometimes hear the term gratitude and think that they're being told to not agitate for a better society. We would not agree with that. What are your thoughts on gratitude? I agree vehemently with what you just said, which is to say to be grateful doesn't mean that we don't want to aspire to some better condition or you know, anything better. My, my thought about gratitude is two, two things primarily. The first is you've often heard me say, I think gratitude is the first attribute of a conservative. There are other attributes that, that challenge that position of primacy, if you will. But if you think about it, if we're grateful, then we, we, we certainly understand that our present condition, the things that are around us, at least some of them, are worth conserving. And this is before we get to any kind of conservative policy, school choice, tax reform, whatever it is, just to be grateful. But the second is, those of us in the Judeo-Christian tradition, and even our Muslim brothers and sisters have their own tradition about this, believe gratitude is, is one of the primary virtues. And so just as a human person, we're actually wired to be grateful. And therefore, I've learned from experience, you know, myself, my own violation of that principle, but also being a teacher mostly, a mentor to, to younger people, that when any of us aren't feeling grateful, we're dealing usually with the vice of pride. And to be prideful, just to stay on this plane of cardinal virtues and vices, is to lead us to really dark places, whether that's personal or, you know, in the case of this conversation, as a polity, as a society. And so I actually think one of the main things missing in American political conversation today, even in conservative political campaigns, is a notion of gratitude. And if I may, just to con conclude with this point, a lot of the conversations in the United States today, in including perhaps especially among conservatives, is that the United States is in irreversible decline. I understand why people say that. I often say, we're not in decline yet, we're like one step away, but what we mean when we say that at Heritage is A, we think that it's reversible, B, that we've got a plan to get us out of there, but C, we're grateful for everyone who came before us who's held the line, and, and we're not gonna ever say we're in decline irreversibly, because that's a way of rejecting all of the sacrifices that people have made. And so, 
in this season of gratitude, uh, not just the Thanksgiving season, but for, for Jews and Christians, the, the end of the calendar year is very important in our respective religions. It's a time of reflection. I know a time of great shopping, perhaps place less emphasis on that. One of the ways we can practice gratitude is to spend less time in front of screens and more time outside. When we are in awe, whether it's in the face of the Rocky Mountains or inside a city, a beautiful city park, which there's still plenty of even in Washington, D.C. It's a way of having proper perspective. And that will lead us to understand the proper perspective for political conversations as well. Which Thanksgiving dish are you most looking forward to at the Roberts home? You know, for me, I always have a dilemma because I equally love deep fried turkey and Texas smoked turkey. But when this weekend I harvest with our youngest daughter two wild turkeys on our property, it's not going to matter how we cook them. They're going to be delicious. Sounds great. Dr. Kevin Roberts, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you to Dr. Kevin Roberts for his contribution to this episode. You can find more by Dr. Roberts at heritage.org or by following him on X at Kevin Roberts TX. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or suggestions for future episodes, send them our way at heritageexplains at heritage.org. From all of us here at the Heritage Foundation, thanks for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It's written and produced by Mark Guiney, Lauren Evans, and John Pop.